Do you have this strong intuitive feeling that you are just destined to build a business and a life that stands out amongst the rest, but you just don't know how to get there? I feel you, I've been there, and I can see that you are another fellow flamingo just waiting to take flight. My name is Megan Shallow, social media guru and founder of BNL Media Consulting, and this is exactly what I have done through building my own beautiful empire that has become a unicorn in the social media management world, as well as a safe space for entrepreneurs to feel empowered with their digital marketing. All of this was founded on the basis of three magical words, breathe, nourish, and love. Are you ready to learn how to be that entrepreneur who shows up online and offline with confidence, has a business that makes an impact in this world, and lives a life full of connection, love, prosperity, and joy? If the answer is yes, then let's go. All right, everyone, we are back for another episode, and we have a visitor today, uh, Paula Scaper from 33 Dolphins. Hey, Paula. (laughs) Hey, Megan, how are you? Good. I'm really excited to have you on this call. Um, well, podcast episode because it's January. Everyone's starting to think, where can I invest my money next? What do I need to do in order to ramp up my digital marketing and do things that much better than I did back in 2021? And based on what I've seen in the entrepreneurial world, sometimes people spend their marketing dollars not in the right places. So I thought, who better to come in and tell us exactly what to do and how to do it properly based on our own different businesses than you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. We're, you. I'm really excited to have you and I've got some questions. So we stay on track because you and I can chat for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want you to kind of introduce to everyone, who are you, what's your background and what's your story? Like, how did you get to this place um, and become the marketing genius that you are? Wow, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I am the founder of 33 Dolphins Growth Strategy, and we do exactly what it sounds like we do. We work with entrepreneurs and small business owners to really figure out the magic recipe for their business in order to grow the business and grow it profitably. One of, one of the things that I, I see entrepreneurs doing um, sometimes is chasing growth because they think growth is, you know, top line revenue growth is is going to magically translate into more money in their pocket. And often what happens is that the growth comes at a cost and that cost is your profit margin. And so people find themselves working so much harder and making less. I've done it myself. <laughs> I've had uh, I had my um, digital marketing agency. I started it in 2000 at the uh, at the dot at the first dot com crash. That was when I started my business, um, and so I've done it myself. Where I've grown for the sake of growth, and wakened up one day and went, "Okay, why am I working so hard and making so much less than I did two years ago?" Um, and and what's going on? So a lot of what I do today, I mean, it comes from personal experience, right? Yeah. Um, even just you saying that I had a flashback to when we were at a living in balance seminar. This is how you, uh-huh. and, I, and I remember you asking me what my profit margins were and I refused to answer. I was like, I don't want to look at it. And I, think I remember it that me, it took me two years to finally figure it out. And I remember when it went clunk for me and was like, wow, just because I have this many clients, but I'm not making a lot of money, like profit margins were not there. It's not worth it. And then I remember that conversation I was like, ah, this is what she was trying to get me to find. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It, and it actually, I pivoted my business right at the start of the pandemic. So 
My company used to be a full service marketing agency. We did done for you marketing services. And I had, I, I had a conversation with some of my peers at a networking lunch again, right before the pandemic. And we all went into lockdown and um, we started talking about just that about profit margin. And I became evident in that, that a lot of these entrepreneurs who were bragging about their big revenue and their big dollars were losing money. Mm -hmm. They were, they were bringing in these huge amounts, but it was costing them more to deliver the service. And that for me was a huge aha moment. And I think actually we did talk about it at the living in balance seminar right before, um, right before we went into lockdown about that. Cause I was just in that, in that pivot place. And, um, um, I, I realized that uh, not just my peers, but a lot of the businesses that I've worked with have had that same, that same challenge. And it's always been something that's really different about how we work with clients is that we're focused on the profit margin, not the revenue number. And when, when clients are looking at or companies are looking at their marketing plans, one of the things that we get them to do is they're figuring out what their steps are is to focus on their profit margin. What is the profitable work that they do? What are the profitable products that they sell? And how do we focus on growing those? Um, because that's where when a company makes more profit, that's where an entrepreneur makes more money, right? Even though there are a lot of stories out there, it's like, I'm not doing it for the money. We all need to survive. We all need to, yep. with the reason why we all took a leap of faith and took flight into being entrepreneurs was because we wanted the freedom and freedom does not come without money. Um, well, I, you know, I can tell you from personal experience when your business isn't making money and you're in that poverty mindset, you don't have freedom because you can't, you might have time, but you can't do anything with it except worry. It's, it's a stressful place to be. So we, we have to, we have to make it okay for businesses to, to operate for a profit. And in particular, women-owned businesses, I find, are there's there's almost this pressure to not be in it for the money, right? Yeah. There's I'm a purpose-driven business for the money. It's like I yeah, just help a bunch of small business owners succeed, and I still do. Um, yeah. But I realized I also nothing would grow and no one would see success if I wasn't also seeing success. That makes sense. Totally. Totally. Because your mindset is different when you're in that place, right? You, so what do you um, find? Yeah. Like your mindset is in that weird place. And what do you find is like the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make or business owners or CEOs? Cause I know you work with some really big companies yeah. as well. Um, what is the number one mistake that they make when they start investing in marketing, like in the, that side of things? Um, there, there, there are a couple, the, the one that is the same across all the levels of business that I work with is um, under under focusing on the ideal customer mm-hmm. and and who that ideal customer is. There's so much out there right now from um, marketing gurus who you know tell you to get a customer app. Well, yeah, we we're, we're a big community, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, have a customer avatar. And, um, and it, it simplifies the, uh, the concept of an ideal customer into a cartoon character. And we think, oh, well, my care, my, you know, my avatar is 
Susan, and she's a, a Starbucks drinker who wears Lululemon and um, has two children, but she's divorced and she has a white collar job. And, and we make these really specific characters, like we're trying to create a, a character in a movie, but it's focused on completely the wrong things. Because it's not focused on why Susie needs your help and how Susie experiences the need for your help. So when we're working with a client on building up their marketing strategy, one of the things that we do, um, there, there are three pillars. So we work with our clients on three different pillars of strategic business growth planning. And that is the one thing that I think all businesses must do. If you want your marketing to be effective, start with a strategic growth plan because marketing is a tool that you use to sustain and grow revenue, to sustain and grow clients coming into your business. And so, you know, you think, think of it like fishing, right? So, you know, if we're going fishing, if you show up at a lake in the interior of British Columbia with a whole bunch of salmon bait. You got the wrong bait in the water for the fish that you're trying to catch. And if you hate trout, you're in the wrong lake. <laughs> and and so, but we don't, we don't focus on that. So that's one of the pillars that we focus on with our clients is really diving a lot deeper into that customer experience and how that customer experiences the need for the service. Rather than focusing on like who the person is in this, in this like what they buy and like, what their family mm-hmm. nature looks like and all of that, you actually are focusing on more like the internal reasons why they would want to. Internal reasons are a big part of it. We, yeah. we like all sell, I guess. Would yeah. Be so yeah. you think about if you're selling to, if you're selling educational products that help uh, elementary school children get better at reading, like let's just pick that one out of the top of my head. Okay. Right. So it, Right. So you're selling to moms. Yes. Well, all moms have some common characteristics about how they experience their children's education needs. And if you focus your, if we were to focus the marketing on um, Starbucks Susie, I'll call her, that I described with her Lululemon and her lattes and all of that. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a lot of us, right? Yeah. But but exactly, it sounds like a lot of us. Yeah. Nothing in that description that I gave you has anything to do with how Susie experiences needing her children's reading to be better, right? And so when you, when you take it that step further and actually look at that dynamic, now you start bringing in some of the things. What's happening in the family when? the kids need help with their reading. Why does Susie want the kids to get help with their reading? Are they struggling with reading? Are we just trying to help them do better and get better into a better university? Are, um, are we just overwhelmed parents and we don't have time to help them with their homework? There are a million reasons why you would want this kind of a product for your child. And the reality is that the company that is providing that, two companies could be providing the same exact product on the outside, helps your child learn to read. One company might be a whole lot better at working with children who are visual learners, who struggle with early reading, 
And the other company might be a whole lot better at working with um, children who are already competent readers, but want to read faster. But on the surface, right? So if you follow a formula, a marketing formula from a marketing guru, and you both, both of those companies are trying to sell to Starbucks Susie, they're going to look and sound exactly the same. And they might both end up getting a whole bunch of parents who are worried about their kids' future university needs and their products aren't position, aren't the ideal product for either of those. So then they end up with unhappy clients who say negative things, who hurt their marketing. They're missing these huge lucrative markets and the people who need them can't find them because they look and sound like everybody else. They, they just look and sound like another Sylvan or another, right? right. And so that's where um, the the lack of focus on how your customer that gets great results experiences needing your help and then what that impact is and what the job to be done is 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 massive and there are two there are also two parts of the job to be done right there's what what the goal is you're trying to achieve and whether you're business to business or business to consumer you have a goal you're trying to achieve when you buy something and then there's what the personal goal is, mm. right? And and we make decisions often very emotional. Well, always make decisions emotionally, yeah. but there's almost always an unacknowledged personal component to how we make decisions. That's what gets missed at the beginning. Like even I'm like, it gets totally missed. Yeah, it gets totally missed at the beginning. So would you say before like a business, like when you start a business and you're small, you get kind of get your logo from Fiverr or Canva or something like that. And then you build your website on Squarespace or Wix and it's super simple. Um, and that's a great place to start. And I say every small business should do that first, totally. not spend $10,000 on a website before you know if like the company is viable. Um but after that, like, is there an opportunity for businesses? Like, would you say before you go investing in anything else, get clear on that piece? Like, what are the intrinsic motivations that you're... Yeah, definitely. And, and you there's different layers. Too, when you're running your business, you start to see patterns. Yeah, there, there, are, there are different levels of it. Yeah. Um, so when you're early, early stage in your business... Um, a lot of it, you can. I mean, we do group programs, we do group trainings as well, where That's for awesome. smaller businesses, because it doesn't make sense for you to go and invest, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and days and days and days of your time, because you're really working with a limited set of information. Yeah, and and you you have to kind of create a hypothesis and then test that hypothesis and then adjust that hypothesis. So that's the other mistake is it's not a one and done. Uh, and we've seen it. I mean, through the through the pandemic, through the lockdowns, we just went through over Christmas, where you know our customers is changing and evolving. Yeah. And even for bricks and mortar businesses, for um, for you know mental health professionals, the way that the customer experiences the need for what you offer has changed. The way that they buy what you offer has changed. And the way that they want you to deliver what you offer has changed. 
you know, how many of us in 2019 would have said that our favorite restaurant experience was having hot food dropped off at the door that we didn't have to cook? Exactly. <laughs> now, like, it's like I not going to happen. I always want to go to skip the dishes first before thinking about going out to a restaurant. Right. That used to not be you the know. case. It used, I yeah. used to love going out to restaurants, still do, but it's not, I don't have the same urgency that I used to. How how many of us uh, Canadians were notoriously slow to jump on the online shopping bandwagon? Yes, right now. I mean, my I have a I have a nineteen year old son, and his biggest complaint this year, um, this past Christmas, was that nobody gave him Christmas lists in sufficient time for him to do his shopping online, and he resented having to go to the mall. <laughs> I love not that. happy about it. Not happy. This was disrespectful in his world. Receiving those lists before Black Friday. <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. Could actually. you please have your list to me? Yeah. <laughs> so everyone can get the deals too online. So, oh, that's yeah, so funny. The, yeah, these things true. are changing. So we all, we all, no matter whether you've done this already or you haven't, we have to take a really hard look as we enter 2022 and we get started with our, our planning, we have to take a really hard look at who's our customer and what their experience is today and what their mental health and their emotional state is today and what the pressures are today that they're working with. Yeah. Um, even business-to-business organizations are you know, facing huge changes in careers. People are are quitting their jobs and they're reevaluating their jobs. They're burned out. They're frustrated. So companies are operating at lower staff levels. But, you know, we're also starting to figure out the financial impacts for a lot of businesses of this latest round of, round of lockdowns and how that's impacting where the economy is going. And we're, as we come out of it, we're also looking at people's fears. So all of those things are changing. It's really important to to take the time. It's it's not a lot of time. It's a, it's a couple of days of just focusing on it to get it clear. Because once you do, everything else makes a lot more sense. Love that, and I think that's a really good. I mean, we're in a new year. This like kind of always feels like a fresh start, and most likely, a lot of entrepreneurs' brains are a little bit more creative right now because we've had two weeks. Yeah rest. <laughs> I mean, rest, I'm going to put quotation marks around that. Um, just in case not all of us are able to rest, but there's some sort of breathing room that happens the last two weeks of the year. Um, yeah. and so now is the perfect time to really consider like maybe how people used to experience my business when I first started pre pandemic might not be the same as how they're experiencing it now. And how can you adjust that? Uh, moving forward and get clear. So when you are building your new marketing strategy or refreshing it, you have that in mind rather than the old version. Totally. And and we know, I mean, I think a lot of us have been holding on, hoping for a return to 2019. Yeah, a do-over, right? We, it's not going to happen. No. So companies, it doesn't matter what your business is. You have to be online. Yeah, you absolutely. Must. And the number of amazing businesses I've discovered through the pandemic that I would never have discovered before. I mean, pre pre pandemic, you know, if you wanted to get something, if you wanted to go shopping, you just you went to the mall because yeah. it was quick and it was convenient, especially as a business owner. 
I mean, as a business owner and a mom of two, time was not on my side, right? I just, I went to the mall and I grabbed what I needed and I didn't put a lot of thought in it. And I was usually disappointed with what I bought because it was kind of brown box garbage stuff. Over the pandemic, as those those stores have really fallen behind in maintaining their visibility they've done a terrible job but that's another that's another conversation yeah small makers and unique businesses have rocked it rocked it they're opening opening bricks and mortar stores they're um doing and and i you know chatted with them 80 percent of their revenues off instagram gotta love it right (laughs) and amazing cool products yeah yeah it's very heartfelt like you can know like there's passion behind it yeah you get to meet the people you get to you know have a conversation with them um they care about the quality of their product so that that's something that i think all businesses should be paying attention to right now is what are these small makers doing uh to survive and are and they're thriving and how are they thriving? What are they doing? Why is it working? How is it working? And um, and the key thing is that they've kept their marketing up and kept it consistent throughout the pandemic. And a lot of us as entrepreneurs, when we hit uh, when we hit a place where everything is uncertain, our instinct is to shrink back and to start clawing back our marketing dollars. Uh, I'm going to say right now, right now, at the beginning of 2022, it's time to invest in your marketing. But when I say invest, I don't mean take all your money and throw it into something you're going to do in the next four weeks. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But you're going to gamble all your money. I mean, have a growth plan, increase your marketing investment and maintain it through the year. The companies that do that are going to, I don't care what happens with the pandemic, but this is the piece. It doesn't matter what happens with the pandemic. It's what you do with your marketing and business development and how proactive you are. You could triple your revenues. I I had a client who um, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, she called me up and she's like, we're in trouble. I have lost all of my contracts for the year. I've had to lay off all of my staff, but one, and she's only part-time. I have zero new business in the pipeline. And I don't want to shut my business. I've got a little bit of money to invest. Can, Can you help? And so we worked with her on a growth blueprint that she, um, she rolled out and started. So, by January of this year. So we, I, we started working with her in October-ish, 2020. January of this year, in just 90 days of kind of focused work, her sales pipeline was almost three quarters of a million dollars in total value. That's wild. And she ended up, yeah, it was cra- it was it was insane, but it literally came from just having that right focus on... Um, on it now that's like total value you don't close every sale right but that's potential she um she hit the end of 2021 she had tripled her revenue from and doubled what she did in her best year ever in her business 
That's wild. But she tripled her year over year. She doubled her best year ever. And she had that and more in the pipeline for this year, this, this 2022 so year. What happens when you plan, which... Wait, wait, yes, and and maintain. So the other piece of it was maintaining. And she maintained consistent, steady every year. It's, it's, it's like a, a good friend of ours likes to say it's a titration. Marketing is a titration as well. Yeah. You you drip a little bit, drip a little bit, drip a little bit, drip a little bit. And over time, it's the cumulative impact of all those drips that makes it awesome. Mm-hmm. If you just put a drip in, it disappears and nothing happens. And your your thought is, oh, that doesn't work. Yes. But it, it did work. It's just that you haven't put enough we drips. Can use, we can use social media management as that perfect example. Like we'll have a client that comes in for one month and then they're like, well, we haven't really seen results. So I'm mm. not sure if it's going to work. And I always say mm-hmm. at least three months. Like I'm like, at least let us have three months to see the magic, like start to roll. Um, and then after that, if like it still doesn't feel right, then trust your gut and move on. But that's the thing. It's like, our clients that have seen the most success, they've been with us for like two years, three years, because the snowball just continues to roll and it's not one and done. Like you said, Mm -hmm. you can't just build something and post once a week and then stop for a couple months. And like, it has to be consistent. Consistency with general is huge. I have had clients who came to me um, because they were, because I was mentioned to them by somebody. And when I get talking to them, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I have this problem. And when, when John mentioned your name, I was like, I saw you speak three years ago at this conference and I was totally blown away, but we weren't ready. And then, you know, and so if it hadn't been for the conference and that initial exposure, my name would have been one of a dozen that they were given, but because of the conference, plus that boom, you know, now it's not, can you sell me? It's when can I start working with you? It was almost like, this is a serendipitous moment. I need to take advantage of this. I saw Paula before. Now I'm hearing her name again. I probably should work with her. Like there was exactly. no, like no second guessing. Yeah. And that was all yeah. like, that's part of your marketing. Like even like speaking is a marketing tool and a marketing strategy online or offline. We can still speak offline. <laughs> and I think it's really yeah. good for entrepreneurs to learn how to speak in front of a room. Um, it definitely allows you to hold your own and really get clear on your business. Yeah. And those, those things are going to come back. They just Always. aren't going to come back the same way they were, right? They, and they're yeah. not going to replace the digital experience. No. Businesses are not going to go back to in-person conferences when they can hold that event more efficient, more cost effectively, more cost efficiently on Zoom with higher attendance. Right. Why would you go back to something that will reduce the amount of your customers that you can engage with? It's not going to happen. We might see hybrid. Yeah, hybrids are good. But the cost of the events too, like it'll just go down so much. Um, yeah, I love that. I think getting clear on that. And then what, like once people have gotten clear and they're like, okay, this is what I'm pretty sure is how people are experiencing my brand. This is what I want to kind of a growth strategy plan, like you mentioned. Um, of course, I always recommend moving towards. Sometimes it is really great to have someone who isn't in your business perceive, like come at it and be like, well, this is how I'm feeling as a potential consumer to your brand and make sure it aligns. Um, that's something that I've noticed when people come into BNL. The way we experience the brand 
is very different than how the entrepreneur thinks we're going to experience the brand. Right. And Absolutely. it can be tro- troubling at first, <laughs> yeah. but then they realize that they actually are grateful for that um, perspective. So yeah. is that what you bring to the table too? Like when clients come to you, like with a growth strategy, like they have their ideas, but then you also have yours. Often, often when, you know, companies start on a, on a growth strategy plan, they they come to us and they think we're going to talk about tactics. Mm-hmm. They think we're going to have our, our first conversation is going to be, should I be doing social media? Should I be doing email? They want to know how often should I post on Instagram? They want to know, um, you know, how much should I be spending on PPC? And, and when I go, I'm not even sure you should be. They're like, so how about we, we roll it back a little bit and let's figure out if you should be. Um, the biggest gains that companies get is when they focus their marketing efforts on the channels that, that reach their ideal customer who's perfectly aligned to need what they do in exactly the way that they do it. And you can't know what those channels are until you know first your customer, but also you have to know yourself. Yes. And no formula is going to make you unique. If you're following a formula, right? It's it's how what you do is dramatically different from how everybody else does the same thing that you do. Um, And, you know, we, we get, I think, hung up too on that unique selling proposition. What's my unique selling proposition? Just what's your personality? What makes you, what is your, right. What makes you the (laughs) flamingo? What is your personality? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, you know, I'm a little bit off the cuff. I'm not very formal. I, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not someone who's going to come in and, and, and get really into data and statistics. I love data and statistics, but I care about what it tells me, not so much about the numbers. Right. And I like to move quickly and I like to make decisions quickly and I like action. I'm not going to be a great fit for somebody who has to triple check everything before they move forward. We're not going to work well together doesn't matter that what I do could transform their business. If it doesn't fit into how they work, then there's going to be that resistance, right? And so I'm better to introduce that individual to someone in my network who has, you know, similar, similar services to myself, but maybe delivered in a different way, or who's maybe more logistics and operations focused and, and so that they can get through that process to be ready. Um, but it's, it's, so it's about knowing who you are, which is kind of like online dating, right? I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> you can't find the right partner until you know who they need to be a partner to. Yes. And I always like, I don't, I always equate marketing to online dating. I'm like, it's the same thing. Like it feels like the same thing. And for those that are, have dove into the online dating world, they'll know exactly what that feels like for those that have not. Maybe you can just go experiment and build a profile and see what the profile attracts <laughs> if your partner will let you. <laughs> I was say, that could get me in a little trouble. I've been yeah. married for more than a quarter century. Like, might might not go over so well in my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, but it is yeah. marketing. Like building that bio is 100% marketing strategy. I even had a friend be like, you should write 
Tinder bios for a living. And I was like, I don't know if that's profitable, but maybe a fun Valentine's Day freebie. Um, it's just, it's all copywriting. It's all marketing, like appropriate use of emojis and mm-hmm. like women I've noticed are really good at it. Um, men, not so much. So I'm like, okay, come on. Like the ones and the ones that have great bios, they do get more swipes. Like that's a, yeah. that's a fact and it's marketing. Yeah. You want people to swipe on your business rather than choosing the other person's. Like it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. If you were to put up a line and like have swipe left, swipe right, right. Why would people swipe right on your business? And yeah swipe left on maybe someone else. Well, and to bring it back to, to what you asked about having somebody outside of your organization provide you with perspective. What is interesting about your business is probably the thing that you think is the most boring mm-hmm. because it comes so naturally to you. The things we do exceptionally well, the things that make us unique are the things that we don't pay any attention to. They're so second nature to who we are and how we serve that we aren't even aware that they're there. And so having somebody hold up a mirror and go, hey, this is really cool that you do this. I don't know if you experience this with your clients where they're, they're looking at you going, doesn't everybody do that? Yes, all the time. And also even like me pointing out their unique uh, qualities as an entrepreneur. They don't see it. And I'm like, well, this is what makes you amazing. So, and sometimes that's really hard to hear too, um, especially if maybe that hasn't flipped inside yet that you realize um, that Mm -hmm. there is that amazing quality within you. Um, So that's something that I think is, it's just so huge. And people think that if they just invest in all these marketing things and they don't think about it and they just offboard everything and they don't energetically connect whatsoever, that's when the success will happen. And that's actually the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's know your customer but also know you. And, yes, and I'm going to add to that, know your employees and your staff. Yes. And your brand evolves right. as you start building staff. I've been yeah. personally experiencing this myself. I'm like, yeah. like I'm the pink, yeah. but I'm recognizing that my staff may not be the pink. So we're looking at that. And it's just so interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's, it's especially if you're in a, in a public facing business where, your employees, you know, think about a, um, think about a hair salon mm-hmm. or a, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking about this, um, just the other day, I, um, well, not really just the other day. It's, it was a couple of weeks before Christmas. I had, uh, booked to go out with both my, both my young adult children um, we were doing a little Christmas shopping and we decided we'd go out for dinner. And so, you know, they'd made reservations at this wonderful place that they wanted to introduce me to because it was really cool and it was really hip and, you know, really, it was a big deal for us. So we get to the restaurant and walk in the front door, beautiful vibe. I won't name the restaurant, beautiful vibe, gorgeous. I loved the look of it. I love the energy of it. People were having fun. They were partying, you know, it was right. We were, we hadn't heard about Omicron yet. And, and so it was that, that excitement of a real Christmas was there and we're starting to get in the mood beautifully lit. And this young lady who is the hostess um, comes over and my daughter said, I made a, a reservation for five o'clock for three of us. And she looks and says, we're not quite ready for you yet. It's going to be five to 10 minutes. So I started my career, like most of us, 
in food service. I put myself through university, you know, slinging drinks and waiting tables. I look around this restaurant and I go, okay, there are half a dozen tables that are cleaned and cleared with no cutlery on them, but they've clearly been cleaned and cleared that are ready for us to be seated. We should be seated. They can bring the cutlery. Like we should be seated. We waited 10 minutes to be seated. They seated us at this little table for two that had kind of a corner bench. Now we're there for dinner. And, you know, we're we're not tiny, right? So there's three of us crowded around a table for two with two big tables empty to the left of me. Another big table empty that I can see and at least four tables for four in, in another area of the restaurant that I can see. So server sits us down and or not server, the, the hostess sits us down. And my kids are looking at me because they can already see they know they know mom's triggered at this point. <laughs> and uh, comes back, you know, brings us some water, brings us menus. Comes back again. And I said, excuse me, but there are three of us around this table. And just our cutlery and our water glasses are taking up all the space. Add food to this table. And we're not really going to have much of a dining experience. Is it possible we could move to one of these other tables and, and have a little bit more of a comfortable experience? And I get this. This is getting to be a long story. She gives me this really patronizing. I don't know. We're kind of busy tonight. But let me see what I can do for you. Okay kind of voice so off she goes goes and talks to the manager comes back and says unfortunately we're really busy tonight so i'm not going to be able to move you to another table but um we could move you to the lounge and you could have and we could maybe get some more space in the lounge <laughs> i'm like you know what? That's fine. If it means that I can actually open my shoulders and eat and not be like, okay, that's fine. Um, so she, they, they send a waiter over to take our drink order. 10 minutes later, we still haven't been moved to the lounge. He's confused. He's like, I'm really sorry. I don't know what the hell's going on here. They told me to see if you were okay. I can see the, the hostess and the manager are talking and they're pointing at our table. The manager doesn't come over to the table. Like it was just a terrible experience. Absolutely, like brand a vibe terrible. Didn't match what's going on actually with right? the company. Right now, the owner of that restaurant, I'm sure, would be mortified to know that his manager didn't come over. If they had said to us, "Look, we've had a huge number of big groups. We have another big influx coming. We're kind of in a lull, but we can't." I'm sorry, we overbooked. And there was a mistake with your reservation. And that's why you're at this crazy crowded table. Let me bring you out an appetizer to apologize for the inconvenience. Let me buy you a drink. Let me do something to make this a better experience. But no, the manager doesn't come over. The, 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 the waiter, it was just absolutely god-awful experience. Finally, 25 minutes after we arrived at the restaurant, we get moved to the lounge. At which point I'm looking at my watch and I'm wanting to go. I'm hungry and I'm cranky and my kids know it. So they're upset. Bartender comes over, takes our drink order. She's amazing. Now the lounge, nowhere near as nice as the restaurant, 
We're on two little cocktail tables that have been shoved together. Not a better seating arrangement whatsoever. But the bartender was amazing. And she took me from, I will never come back to this place again, to having a great time. And in the process had to tell us that the kitchen was so backed up, they were 30 minutes behind on orders. And we could she could order us an appetizer, but it was probably going to be 30 minutes. And she had the feeling we'd already been waiting. So she wanted us to know before we made a decision. Now, had they told us that on the other side, we could have ordered and our food could have been on the table. But no. So like no infer- total difference, complete and total difference. Yes. Yeah. We ended up getting appetizers because she went and checked with the kitchen and they said, no, we'll get it through. She had appetizers on our table 10 minutes. We didn't stay for dinner because it was too long, but we had a wonderful time in this much less, you know, vibe of a lounge. That's what employees do. So when, when we're looking at, at marketing, one of the things we have to look at is what are the standards that we're expecting from our employees and how are we demonstrating those standards to our employees to ensure a brand experience. And I've taken a long time to get to this point, but the manager of that restaurant did not demonstrate the right behavior to her employees. And while the young lady who was the hostess, you know, didn't do a great job, it wasn't her job. It was the manager's job and the manager didn't even come near our table. And so, you know, forever, my experience of that restaurant is going to be tainted with that experience. Right. Even though I had the great experience in the lounge and I would totally go have a drink in the lounge anytime, I would think three times before going back to the restaurant. And yeah. the food apparently is amazing. So, so it's you know. like, it's that you can have a beautiful brand on the outside, but if the inside doesn't match, then people feel like they've yeah. been tricked. And totally. so that's a part of getting clear on your marketing as well. Like, is it transferring through the whole company, not just yes. for your consumers but also for your employees. Yeah, your marketing can't just be a sparkly image on no. reality. It has to it has to carry through. And so when you don't, you know, if if think of that there was a place here in Vancouver oh, years ago, you might know about it or not, but it was it was a breakfast restaurant down on Davy Street. Mm, I don't know. And their claim to fame was that the waiters were rude. Oh, yes, I've heard of this. Right? Yeah. But people would go because of that. (laughs) That business had decades of, but they they made a point of hiring front of house staff that were witty and acerbic and had that right kind of just edgy personality without being nasty about it. Mm -hmm. The food was decent, but not spectacular. But people went for the vibe. There was another place here. I think it was called the British Bulldog. I'm really aging myself now. Their thing was you got peanuts with your drinks and you could throw the peanut shells on the floor. Right. Okay. Right. So, the, I mean, it was, that they weren't trying, right. They weren't trying to fit in anybody's box or formula. They just figured out what was unique about them. But if you wanted to go somewhere after work and let your hair down, where do you want to go? Some place where you have to be on your best behavior or some place where you can throw peanut shells on the floor. And if you let the odd F-bomb drip because you're really frustrated about your crappy day, nobody's going to care. You so know, these are things that you have to think about, like straight out of the gate, like what kind right. of you want to be from the front to the end, like from check in to check out. Um, really, at the end of the day, it's like what yeah. grabs someone, but also allowing it to go completely through the brand. Um, so that I think is the most important thing, I think, to set people up in 
Like, is there another, like after you've kind of, people have kind of been like, okay, this is what makes me unique. And okay, now I want to grow. And now I want to invest in my marketing. I've done the work that you told me to do, Paula. Now what? Um, And they still want to, like, they want to put more money out there. How do you start? Because how do you start making those decisions without um, losing too much money or investing in in the wrong places? So... That's a big, that's a big question. Um, I don't know how much time we have to unpack that. I know. I'm like, like Um, a lot of people will invest in a website first. Like that's normally the first thing that happens. They're like, I need a new website to match like and branding, like website and branding usually is like the first thing to get invested in based on my experience. Totally. So, okay. Thank you. That was a great prompt. Um, I would say if you already have a website, don't just jump into a website redesign because it's less about the pretty pictures on your website and more about the experience of the site. And oftentimes what I will see companies do is they'll spend a lot of money on a rebrand and then they've got nothing left. It's it's like having this beautiful Lamborghini in the driveway, but you can't build a garage to house it in. You haven't got any money to put gas in it and you can't afford the insurance. So you've basically got a beautiful Lamborghini that's rusting out in the driveway. It's the same kind of thing with our websites. We over we overinvested our website and then don't have anything left to support us with great social media content, with um, a presence, with you know email marketing, with paid search. Um, and and not every company should do every one of those things. Two things that every company must do: you've got to have a website. You have to. It can be just a brochure. It can be a single landing page where people come and they figure out how to connect with you. It it depends on your business, but you've got to have a website. Websites are not dead, everyone, just in case you thought social media replaced websites. They did not. It does not. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And I can tell a million horror stories of clients. And as you mentioned, I work with some big corporations who overnight lost their entire social media presence. Because the social media company, you don't own your social media audience. You're borrowing it Um, in exchange for contributing content that allows that social media company to make money off advertising. And as long as you do what they tell you to do, you're going to be fine. But if what they tell you to do isn't what's best for your company, you might be better somewhere else. Um, And I'm not saying don't do social media, but I am saying it's a borrowed audience that you have no right to. And so they can take it away from you and you have no recourse. Exactly. You have to have a website and you have to have your own email list, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care what your business is. All those, all those makers that I talked about that were on Instagram. They have great, they don't have, if they don't have an email list, if Instagram wakes up tomorrow morning and shuts down online shopping through Instagram, what happens to their business? And email marketing, like right. what's your opinion on it? I mean, I know a lot of people like email marketing dead. I know from personal experience, it is not because I've seen crazy sales go through email. Um, what, like, do you think email marketing is an under invested space? Totally. Yeah. Totally an under invested space. It, it's something that as, as business owners, it, it, it doesn't feel sexy. It's not a bright, shiny new object. And email's been around for a while. You've got mail, right? Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, (laughs) But it's it's not it's not a bright shiny object anymore. And so, you know, unfortunately, what happens with digital marketing is that one of the ways that 
things get traction is by being touted as the next big thing, right? But, I mean, do you remember Periscope? No. Does anybody remember Vine? Yes. Uh, Does anybody remember MySpace? I mean, we've heard of MySpace, but does anybody actually remember it? Right now we have Clubhouse, Snapchat, Tumblr, Formspring. I mean, there's so many of these, Pinterest, so many of these platforms, not all of them stuck around. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the new platform pitch to businesses is throw all your money in here. Because if it works, you're going to miss the boat if you don't throw all your money in here right now. But if it doesn't work, we're not responsible. That's that's the, you know, what we call social media um, pitch is, is this. What you're doing is you're funding the marketing for the platform. With Clubhouse, you know, it, it's about getting people and getting to that tipping point. And I, I actually quite like Clubhouse. I'm not dissing Clubhouse. It's just the newest one. But I've, I've, I've seen so many of these come and go and come and go and come and go over the years. And, and we've seen what happens if they really get traction, like Instagram, they're going to get bought by either Facebook or Google, because we don't have things in place to stop that from happening. So it's, it's it really becoming um, less fragmented of a market than we think it is at this point. But was all what I'm also seeing with my clients is that their paid search advertising. So their their Facebook paid ads, their Google paid ads, their Amazon paid ads, all of those paid programs, the cost per click has skyrocketed over the last two years. And the response and the conversion rate of those clicks has has tanked. So you're having to pay higher amounts of money to get fewer clicks that are less likely to buy. Uh, at the same time, email conversion rates have gone through the roof. Um, clients that are, are prospecting, so B2B clients that are prospecting on LinkedIn, their rates have tanked, but prospecting through email has increased. Now in Canada, we have Castle. And, and so, um, you know, there are some, some legal restrictions on our ability to prospect via email. But um, definitely, you know, looking at how you're doing those things and empowering people to do those things. Yeah, email's huge, huge. It's um, a it's an underrated communication tool now with everyone like mm-hmm. wanting to send DMs and PMs and like not wanting to email unless they absolutely have to. But like I personally, like my email as a business owner is like, I love email. And sometimes I won't open like some emails, but when I do, it's normally because I need to. And there's a reason why, um, or it's just brand awareness. It's like sending an Instagram post directly into someone's inbox and they yeah. get to connect with it and they get to see it. Cause there's no algorithm that's going to not allow them to see it unless it accidentally goes into the junk. That's the other thing, right? I mean, we, we see less than 3% of the posts that we are supposed to totally because the, the algorithms, the algorithms are actually monetized based on keeping our attention and getting us to take certain behaviors. And so when we're on social media, social media is algorithmically triggering emotional responses based on what's going to hook us into spending more time. And we know from like psychology knows that negative emotional responses will hook us more than positive ones. That's why we all feel so shitty after we get off social media sometimes. Mm. That said, social media is important. 
So it's, it's, and we've had this conversation, I don't know how many times you, you can't just do one thing and then it's going to solve all your problems. Social media is important for getting your name in front of people. It's important for introducing your brand. It's important for awareness. Like networking. Totally. But it may not be the thing that drives the, the direct lead. Versions. Yeah. Right. To, to drive the sales. Email is about talking to people who already know who you are, building a relationship and getting them. You know, Email is dating. Email is dating. Social media is the Absolutely. Tinder swipe right experience. Totally. Right? Ah, we shop. That. And then we date and then we buy. Then you get married. <laughs> and then we get married. But nobody ever, married. <laughs> you know, in, in our society, nobody gets married based on pictures and their parents' recommendations. So <laughs> no, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, I think that's because a lot of people probably were coming into this call being like, okay, she's going to tell me to invest in this first and then invest in that. But at the end of the day, which is so funny because it's what I work with my clients to figure out too. It's like, what is it that makes you different? Like allow your intuition and allow your knowledge of your company because you are the one that created it to kind of navigate everything forward and then start to think, where is this audience and how can I keep yeah. connecting them? But also at the end of the day, have an email list, right, Paula? <laughs> Absolutely have an email list, 100%. Um, and work with somebody. I mean, it's as a business owner, it's not your job to know everything. Mm-mm. it's your job to know who knows what you need to know and then to bring that expertise into your business when and as you need it. Um, and, like, you know, we, we met through go on the first referral, right? Totally. We met through a mastermind group for yeah. women who own businesses, right? So, you know, and, and that group is all about having women who know the things you don't need to know that you can call and talk it through. I think as an entrepreneur, one of the most important things you can do for them for your marketing is to have a trusted advisor that you can call and talk through decisions with before you make them. Definitely number decisions. Yes. And and have that person be an expert in marketing or marketing strategy. You know, clients that you have that have you on retainer can call you. Mm-hmm. Right? Always. They can call you and they should be calling you. Megan, I'm thinking about investing in this paid program. What do you think? How will it fit with what we're already doing? My clients call me all the time. Clients I haven't worked with for years will call me out of the blue and go, hey, Paula, what do you think about? Or I'm having this problem with, you know, can can we can we help? I, I got a call just before Christmas with, from a client I haven't worked with in two or three years going, we've had a sudden staff change and we need to make sure that the transition, you know, can can we help? It's having that person you can call, right? And being willing to invest and pay them for their expertise. I think that's also something that I've learned in my business. It's why I invest in my mastermind group is that I invest in knowing that the people I'm talking to are professionals who are experienced and trained in the things I'm talking to them about and that they're not telling me what to do. They're telling me what their experience is, asking me what, you know, questions that I maybe didn't know to ask, getting me to go and find information that I maybe didn't know to go and find so that I can make an informed decision. 
for my business. And I think when it comes to marketing, you can't undervalue having that unless you're a marketer. And, yeah. and I will say, even as a marketer, I, um, I didn't rebrand my business by myself. I paid an agency to come in and rebrand me because I needed that outside view. I needed that mirror held up. And I spent what I knew was, you know, a fair market rate to make that happen. And I've got a much stronger brand as, as, as a result of it. Now I pivoted my business 18 months before I started a rebrand. Right. Like you didn't just jump in and do a rebrand before you knew what the business was going to look like. You let the business unfold the way it was meant to. And then once you were clear or more clear, that was when you dove into the rebrand experience because the rebrand experience, yeah, it's a mirror and those mirrors are not always fun to look at (laughs) and they can be very stressful. Um, And it makes you like when you are going through a rebrand, it's a lot of inner work. Ironically. Oh, totally. And yeah, I mean, growing a business is a bit like um like the longest you know, giving birth to a baby. Yeah. It's 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 baby making energy, right? And, and I mean, when when my son was born, we had picked a name for him. We had we had branded him yeah. long before he showed up. And um and he was born and they put him in my arms and I looked at my husband and I went, "Not not the name. Nope. <laughs> not the name. What do you think of?" And his name was changed. Because yeah. who arrived in my arms was not who I branded eight months earlier. Isn't that interesting? Right? A lot of people think yeah. I need to have a logo and I need to have a business name before mm-hmm. I can get going. And like, yes, the government forces you to make a name of some kind for like a sole proprietor, like to yeah. sign up for, to be like registered. But that name, like you can do business as something else. So you can always change it. Um, yeah. and you don't have to invest too much because what if the name stops fitting or what if the logo stops matching what's actually being built? And maybe it's even energetically yeah. stopping the growth because you're not allowing the right child, let's say, to grow and like to be what it's meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a really interesting concept there of like holding on to your business too tightly. I mean, I am not a mother yet. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what that's like. <laughs> Letting, but I've watched my mom go through it, trying to let us go and allow us the space to be our own individuals and to not put her stuff on us. And I've recognized that has happened in my business. The more I put my stuff on the business, it stops growing. So allowing it to try to evolve on its own and just getting clear of what that looks like, especially as I would say my business is probably in its late teen years now. Um, yeah. So it's wanting a lot more independence and I'm having a hard time. <laughs> Oh, but Megan, let me tell you the freedom, the freedom is happening. Freedom is huge. And you've got to go because you've got to let it evolve. Yeah. Yeah. So for the moms in the audience, it's a bit like when your kids learn to drive Mm. and you know, you don't have to take them everywhere. I gained back. Wow. I, I probably gained back 24 hours in a week. Wow. When my kids were able to get themselves from A to B just with all the so it's the same with your business. You that's where that's where as an entrepreneur we really start to gain the freedom to um to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Mm-hmm. Right? Is is that we're having to put in less hours yes. in order to generate generate the revenue. And it's a cycle. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't just okay, oh, now I never wrong. have to work another day. It's 
No, because the kids down. come back, you know, like the kids always come back home. <laughs> they always move home. I moved home. Yeah, yeah I moved home. <laughs> they always come back before they want to leave again and grow again. And um, so yeah. it's, it is such an interesting thing. And your brand evolves and your marketing evolves with it. And it doesn't have to be perfect from the get-go. Like that's no. that your marketing. I mean, I don't even think there is such thing as perfect marketing or at least from the outside, we think something's perfect, but from the inside, if we were to ask the person who's running it, they probably don't think it's perfect. So there's always things to change. And the, the best advice I ever got when it came yeah. to my business, a friend looked at me and said, Paula, you have to stop comparing your backstage to someone else's front of the house. Mm, I like that. Right. It's okay. what we see out there is the face that, that that's, but it's not what's happening in behind the scenes. And so don't compare. No, you that know, is actually huge freedom. Perfect. It's funny. Cause I had just one question. I was like, what's a piece of advice that you heard that you would like to share with those in the there room you go. that are listening. So way to end that. Perfect. <laughs> um, and to end things off, like where can people find you? How can people connect with you further? How can they continue to learn from you um, as they okay. continue to take, like, just go down this marketing journey? Yeah. So uh, the, the best place to find out about me and my business is 33dolphins.com. Awesome. Is our website. Uh, our blog is there. Our podcast, everything is is there. You can uh, subscribe to our newsletter. We've even got a um, a business growth potential rating tool. It's a free tool, and it's you know ten questions, and you just answer rate your business on those ten points, and you'll get in your inbox. Kind of here's where you're at risk. Here's the areas you've got uh, under control, and here's some things that could use improvement. And it's really quick. Takes five, 10 minutes for you to complete it. it great place to start for your January marketing yes. and, uh, and c- connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn. I love growing my network there and engaging with entrepreneurs there. And yeah. So, you know, Good feel free to connect paper. with me there. Go find her. Um, and also feel free to add me on LinkedIn too. I think every entrepreneur should have a LinkedIn. Um, every time I have a conversation with someone, I'm like, are you on LinkedIn? And most of the time I hear, no, I'm just on Instagram. And I'm like, Get your butt over to LinkedIn. Um, it's different, but it's important. It's a great contact yeah, tool. Very so. important. Awesome. Well, I love that. Yeah. I'm also going to go do that freebie because um, <laughs> I have not done it yet. And yeah, thank you so much for coming. I don't think this will be the last time we'll have you on this call. Uh, the knowledge that you have is so vast. And we could, like I said, we can talk for hours, um, especially because you and I, we tackle very different sides of marketing, but they all come together and it's so balanced and I love learning from you. So thank you for joining us and sharing. Thank you, Megan. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we'll see you later. Thank you everyone for listening. If you liked this podcast, leave a review. We'll have a bunch of links in the notes to drive you to all the things that we mentioned on this podcast and we shall talk to you again soon. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Fly Flamingo Fly with VNL. We are so grateful you stopped by and we hope that something from today's conversation ignited the inspiration you were looking for so that you can keep moving forward towards the life of your dreams. This podcast was produced by VNL Media Consulting with the amazing help of Podigy Podcasts. 
We'd love to hear your takeaways from this episode, so be sure to leave us a review as well as give us a follow on Instagram at BNL Social. If you need any help with your social media marketing, feel free to visit our website at www.bnlmediaconsulting.com and we would be more than happy to support you. We hope you have an amazing day and we cannot wait to connect with you again next time. Have a good one, everyone.